You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. For the last while, we've been kind of working our way through a series of what it means, what it looks like to be a peacemaker. And we've kind of been focusing in these last couple of weeks just talking about what it really means and what it looks like to be a peacemaker, especially when we're in very, very difficult or toxic uh, relationships, something every one of us in this room you know, has dealt with in the past, or some of you may be kind of currently in a very difficult or toxic relationship right now. And the approach we've kind of been taking these last couple of weeks uh, in trying to address and really be able to move forward with with some kind of victory or success in difficult, toxic relationships is we've really been kind of looking at four prayers. And we've kind of done this because prayer is so foundational uh, to experiencing healing, Um, and restoration to any toxic relationship, especially if those uh, toxic relationships are immediate family or, or very close people that we've got to be in contact with on an ongoing basis. And it's because prayer really is um, God giving to us um, in response to our praying to him. It's God giving to us the power, the strength, the wisdom, the ability, the endurance to really begin to walk out and to live out biblical principles, um, especially when it comes to uh, healing and restoration in those toxic relationships. Now, again, four prayers, and we've kind of gone through the first three. We're going to hit the final one today. And again, these prayers have all kind of started out the same way. Father. So the first prayer that we talked about was, Father, enable me, empower me to forgive that person. Again, this is the way Jesus taught us to pray. He said, when you pray, pray our Father. And so we, we started these prayers out appealing to our Heavenly Father because this is how Jesus teaches us to pray. So empower me to forgive that person. Now any progress toward healing and restoration of any toxic relationship must begin with forgiveness. We must forgive those who have wronged us, whether they realize it or not, whether they acknowledge it or not, whether they care about it or not. We must begin by forgiving that person because if we do not forgive, the Bible makes it very clear, we will not be forgiven. So we must start any process of healing damaged relationships with forgiveness. As a matter of fact, if you don't start there, you're not really going to make any progress uh, any further. Second prayer that we prayed was, Father, strengthen me to know and to accept my limitations. All of us in this room, we're human. I, I kind of likened it to what Paul calls us clay pots, okay? We're, we're fragile. We're weak. We break easily, Okay, we're all human, we all have limitations and weaknesses, and once we recognize that, I'm weak, I have limitations, it enables me to kind of begin to lean into God's strength and leverage God's power, God's wisdom, 
And as, and as he gives that to us, Paul says that it's in those places of our weakness, as we lean into God, we will become strong. God has given us the Holy Spirit that Paul talks about, that treasure in, in clay pots, that, that treasure that we've been given in, in these clay pots, and that treasure is the Holy Spirit, and he is there to assist us, to empower us in our weaknesses and our limitations. Last time we talked about the third prayer. Again, Father, renew or change or restore my thinking. Now, before we can act on anything, we must change how we think. And God wants to renew our thinking, to be in unity, to be in harmony with his thinking, and to be in agreement with his word. Renewing our mind involves us taking every thought, Paul says, and bringing those captive to the obedience of Christ, to have the mind of Christ in those relationships towards those individuals we're experiencing conflict or toxic relationships with. Again, oftentimes we kind of want to come at it with our thinking. And as I said in the prayer time, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And there's just sometimes we got to abandon our thinking. We got to abandon our ways and we've got to appeal, lean into, and just be obedient to his thoughts and his ways, um, especially if you're not having any success. Okay, I mean, if you're just kind of running into the same brick wall over and over and over, and you're not making any progress, you're not having any victory, uh, that's where, again, we, we just have to appeal, okay, God, am I not doing something? Am I not, is there something that needs to be renewed in my thinking? And it's in our thinking, then, that we can begin to change the way that we act or that we behave. Now, the fourth prayer that we need to deal with with and pray for uh, in difficult, uh, toxic relationships is, is this. Father, free me to accept your love. Now, the thing I want you to notice about all four of these prayers, these are prayers you are praying for yourself. Okay, oftentimes, what we wanna do when we're looking for change in a relationship, we're looking for the other person to make the changes. Boy, if they would only be nicer. Boy, if they would only be, you know, more loving. Oh, and, and, and so that's what we try to do. We want to change them in order to change the relationship. None of these prayers, they're all focused on, Lord, change me, change my heart, change my thinking. The only person you can change is yourself. You have no power over other people. As much as we like to think we do or want to, you have zero control over other people. The only person you can control, the only person you can allow to be changed is yourself. And so that's why these prayers are focused there. So Father, free me to accept your love. Now the truth is to deal with difficult, toxic people in your life, you need to know and you just need to focus on the fact that there is one relationship in your life that you can count on no matter what. And the one relationship that you can count on, the one relationship you can depend on regardless of what you're going through, 
is your relationship with God the Father. Hebrews 13.5 says this, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, the writer here in, in Hebrews 13.5, he's quoting the Old Testament books of 1 Joshua or Joshua 1.5 and Deuteronomy 31.6. So he's, he's quoting uh, Old Testament here. And then he continues on and he says in verse 6, so that, now that, that word so that there, that's connecting verse 5 to verse 6. This is one continuous thought, Okay. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we might be able to say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do to me. God the Father is the only one who will never leave you nor forsake you. And he gives us that promise so that we can have complete confidence in our relationship with him, that our relationship with him is so rock solid that no matter what anybody does, no matter how anybody tries to come against me, I will not fear what that man or any man or anyone can do to me because the Lord is my helper. If you're trying to find in some other human relationship a perfect love, an absolute steadfastness, faithfulness, and devotion that you can build all of your other relationships on, you'll never, ever find that in anyone other than your heavenly Father. Everybody, every one of us, me first and foremost, are imperfect. We are weak. We fail. We make mistakes. That's kind of what prayer two dealt with. If you're putting the weight of perfection and expectation upon any one human relationship, it is just a matter of time. It's not if, it's when. It's just a matter of time before that relationship will eventually become toxic. You're gonna create, even in the best of relationships with the best of intentions, expectations of another human being that can never be met. I think we've all tried that. And, and, and it all ends pretty much the same way. We become disappointed, disillusioned, frustrated with that particular relationship. God designed and created each one of us so that no sense of ultimate contentment and fulfillment can be found outside of a relationship with him. So where do you start? Again, you pray, Father, free me to be able to accept, to receive, to experience, and to walk in and walk out of your love. You start with the love of God. You accept his love into your life. And out of God's love, every other love grows. It starts with the love of God because, again, you can't give what you don't have. You can never fully love another person the way they need to be loved without the love of God actively flowing in and out of you. 1 John 4, 16 says, so we know and rely 
on the love that God has for us. That's where it starts. God wants each one of us to know, to experience, to rely on the love that God has for us. Now, even Jesus had to do this. As he walked upon the earth over 2,000 years ago, he needed to know his heavenly Father's love. He needed to be able to rely on his heavenly Father's love. When everybody else abandoned and forsake, forsook him, he needed to be able to rely on and depend upon and to know the love that God had for him. As a matter of fact, did you know that there are three occasions in the Bible where the audible voice of God is recorded? Three occasions. Now, interestingly, two of those three occasions, it was God the Father affirming his love for God the Son. The first time occurs following the baptism of Jesus there uh, in uh, the River Jordan by John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, it says, and, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up immediately out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Jesus... And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this, and God is speaking here, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father took the opportunity to affirm his love for the son and to say, son, I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm pleased by you. The second occasion occurs in Luke 9 following the transfiguration of Jesus. You remember the disciples, uh, James and John and Peter, are praying with Jesus. And it says there in the scriptures that Jesus is transfigured before them. And they see Jesus talking with Moses and Elijah. And in verse 34 it says, while he, Peter, thus spoke, there came a cloud and overshadowed them. And they feared as they entered into the cloud, and there came a voice. Again, God speaking here out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. So two of the three times where the scriptures record the audible voice of God, two of those three occasions are where the father affirms his love for the son. That he takes the opportunity to tell Jesus, I am pleased with you. I am proud of you. I know a lot of people here, maybe you've grown up, and you never hear those words from your earthly father. Even though maybe you've longed and needed it. And because of that, maybe for some of you, it makes the love of God confusing to understand and maybe difficult to receive. One of the greatest roles I think a father plays uh, in the family is to represent the heavenly father to his family. I think one of the most profound influences that we have in our understanding of God as our heavenly father is how we perceive and experience our earthly father. The reality is, is that maybe some of you are really, really distant um, from your heavenly father because you're really distant, maybe emotionally, physically, from your earthly father. 
Some of you maybe perceive, you know, your heavenly father as harsh and difficult to please because your earthly father was harsh and difficult to perceive, to please. Some of you maybe have a very close and an an intimate relationship with your heavenly father because you had a very close and a very intimate relationship with your earthly father. Again, the point is earthly fathers can and do have a very powerful and a profound impact and influence on how children perceive and approach their heavenly father. My dad died several years ago But I'll tell you this, if my dad were here right now and you were to ask him if he could have one wish granted, what would it be? And I can tell you with pinpoint accuracy what that would be. He would tell you that he would like to have heard his earthly father, my grandfather, he would have loved to have heard his earthly father tell him that he loved him and how proud he was of him. To the day my dad died, that would bring tears. I would say to my dad, Dad, what what is something that you wish for? What is something that you hoped for? Up until the day my dad died, that was my dad's one wish. Even though his dad had already been dead like for 20 years, it continued to be a longing in his heart to hear his father say, I love you, I'm proud of you. And I'm I'm proud of my dad because my dad broke that cycle. My dad told me often he loved me and that he was proud of me. I remember growing up and I would tell his dad, my grandpa, I would say, Grandpa, I love you. And my grandpa's response was always the same. I like you too. He could never say those words, I love you. That's probably the way his dad was too. A lot of the junk we have in our lives is passed down from one generation to the next. As fathers, don't ever underestimate the significant, profound role you play in representing God the Father to your children or to your children in general. Now, you may be sitting there and you may be kind of beating yourself up right now and you're thinking, I've done such a horrible job. I mean, you're, you're sitting there and you're just rehearsing all of the regrets and you're wallowing right now in guilt, shame, and condemnation. Don't do that. That's the enemy. Today is a new day. Today is a day where you can say, you know what, I'm gonna start to do things differently. And again, that's where that prayer, God, begin to change, restore, renew my thinking. This is where today, it doesn't have to be like it was in the past. Today can be a break. Today can be a new day. Today can be a day where it says, I'm, gonna, I'm going to think differently. And out of that thinking, I'm going to begin to act in more loving ways toward my uh, children. How they perceive and experience you as an earthly father will largely influence how they perceive and experience God as their heavenly father. Now, for those of you who, you know, again, grew up where earthly fathers may not have been uh, represented um, God the Father very well, this is where the Word of God becomes so important because it's there that you can begin to understand, you can begin to know, and you can begin to rely on the love that your Heavenly Father has for you. How do I know God loves you and me? Because He shows it. He demonstrates it. 1 John 4, 9 says this, God showed. He didn't just say it. 
He showed, he demonstrated, he made it tangible. God showed how much he loved us by sending his only begotten son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. He says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And the scripture says that that love started before the foundations of the world were ever laid. Before Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Before God ever said, let there be light and there was light, God loved you and I with an everlasting love. Well, how does God do that? Because he's God. I'm not, you're not. I don't understand that, but I don't have to understand it to believe that it's true. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to take He sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. Again, the only way we can love people, especially difficult, toxic people, the only way we can love people the way people need to be loved is by allowing the love of God to flow in and through us to others. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because God first loved us. That is an amazing statement. That is a biblical truth. Notice it doesn't say God loved us because we first loved him. No, God, we love God because he first loved us. God was the initiator in this relationship. He made the first move and he took the first steps toward a loving relationship with you and me. And guess what? God did not wait for you to become lovable to love. If God was waiting for you and me to become lovable to be loved, we would never know or have the love of God. God didn't wait for you, you know, to do something admirable and worthy to love you. As a matter of fact, God's greatest act of love towards you and me came at our absolute worst. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Another place in scripture refers to us as enemies of the cross. That we were rebellious, that we, we hated God Our hearts were so dark and so wicked that in that darkness and that wickedness, we hated God at our absolute worst. God sends and shows his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still so full of darkness and hatred, enemies and sinners. 
God did not wait for you and me to get our act together before sending Christ because God knew you're never gonna be able to get your act together. So he sent Christ to die for our sins. God sent his son, Jesus, as a demonstration of his great love for you and me, and it doesn't get any clearer than that. This is real love. Anytime you ever question, and we all do that, anytime you ever question the love of God, anytime the thought ever crosses your mind, does God really love me? I said this before, I'll say it again. Every time you can look at the cross of Christ, it is God's affirmation. It is God's demonstration of his great love for you because it was on the cross that Jesus came and died for us. Every time I wonder, every time I question, I just look at the cross. Yep, he loves me. There's the proof, there's the demonstration. And you don't have to earn the love of God because there's nothing you can do or need to do to earn it because it's already been given in its fullness. All we have to do is just receive it and accept it. First, well, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It was out of God's extraordinary, everlasting, unwavering love for you and me that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And when we receive Jesus Christ into our hearts, when we receive him as, as savior and Lord of our lives, we are acknowledging, we are receiving God's love. And out of that receiving and accepting God's love that was manifested through Jesus Christ, again, comes eternal life. I think one of the greatest definitions of how God's love operates in our lives and how it should operate in the way we show God's love to others is found in 1 Corinthians 13. Now again, unfortunately for a lot of us, the most you know, common event where we hear the words of 1 Corinthians 13 are weddings. You know, it's the love chapter. Of course, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about love at a wedding. But oftentimes, people kind of think about the, the love that Paul's talking about there in 1 Corinthians is the love between a husband and a wife, and it's not. As a matter of fact, Paul uses a very specific word in that chapter 13 for the word love, and it is the word agape. Now, the word love uh, is the Greek word agape, and that word expresses the perfect love that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In that, in that triune fellowship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, there is perfect love that flows between each one to the other perfect, full love. And it's in the midst of that fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that you and I were created in his image and his likeness. We were created in the midst of that absolute, beautiful, perfect love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It also expresses the love that God has toward mankind. So this isn't just a, a unique 
you know, love that, that is between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's also the same identical love that God loves you and me with. Agape also expresses the love God through his Holy Spirit imparts to the hearts of those who believe in him. Now Romans 5.5 5 confirms this. He says, the love, the agape of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given to us. So, so this, this love that flows between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this beautiful, perfect love that same love is now shed abroad in our hearts. And it's through that love of God, that agape love that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that we first receive the love of our Heavenly Father. And then out of that agape love that we now receive, we possess, we begin to love others. So if you, if you tie together Romans 5.5 5 with 1 Corinthians 13, I want you to see what this looks like in action. So God's agape love to us is patient and kind. Isn't that what 1 Corinthians 13 says? Love is patient, love is kind. Now as we receive the agape love of God into our hearts through the Holy Spirit and through that same agape love toward others, our love will then become patient and kind, right? So do you see how this works? God's love is patient and kind. When I receive that patient, kind love uh, that's been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit, and I begin to love out of that agape love, then my love becomes patient and kind. God's agape love toward us, it says it's not jealous, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it doesn't demand its own way. So when I receive that agape love and I see it operating that way, God's not boastful, he's not proud, he's not demanding his own way, then that same love that's been shed abroad in my heart, you know what, I can begin now to love you in ways that's not boastful, proud, or demanding my own way. God's agape love towards it. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. How many of you keep records of being wronged? Maybe you don't write it down, but it's written somewhere in your memory, and, and, and you just go back to that all the time. The, ne the next time that person hurts you, you just add it to the list. But Paul says God's agape love doesn't do that. It doesn't keep a record of wrong. It acknowledges, it forgives, and then it removes so when that agape love of God begins to fill my heart, when that agape love is shed abroad in my heart through the Holy Spirit, I can begin to love other people in ways that are not irritable and that I'm not keeping a record of wrong. And it's through the love of God that has been shed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, again, that we're able, that it's the only way you're ever gonna be able to love difficult, toxic people if we try to do this through human love, I'm here to tell you, and, and many of you know from your own personal experience, it fails every time. It may work for a while, but eventually it's gonna fail. And you'll never be able to overcome or compensate 
for your fallen, sinful human condition. So that's why we pray, Father, free me. Whatever is binding you, whatever is keeping you from just being able to, to know, to rely on, and to walk in the Holy Spirit, God, free me from that, that I'm able to accept your love. And again, it's very important that we first receive God's love because like I said earlier, and you've heard this over and over again, you can't give what you don't have. And once you receive your heavenly Father's love, only then will you truly be able to love others as well as yourself. Jesus said this, and I'm gonna close with this. Uh, Jesus said, Matthew 22, 37, you must. Not, you know, I'd like it if you would, or, you know, try If you feel like it, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now again, what Jesus is saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What he's saying is receive, accept the love and then you just begin to love God out of his love for you. Does that, that make sense? And then as, as we do that, it just becomes easier now to love others and to be able to love ourselves. I mean, a lot of people who love God, they love others, but they hate themselves. We need to complete. We need to complete that. We need to be able to love God and to love others and to also love ourselves. Any true love for God, for others, for, our, uh, for ourselves must come from God himself. And many times we're unable to receive the love of God because we don't understand. We've never really ever taken time to think about how much, how deeply, how passionately God loves us and feels toward us. In your bulletin this morning, there's an insert. At the top in red letters is the word, my child, and uh, this is God's love letter to each one of us. What I love about this is, this contains God's thoughts towards you. And, and in that letter, I, I, after every thought shared, I've given you a, the, the scripture references there uh, to tell you where that's at uh, in, the, in the scriptures. And I invite you to take this home and just put this somewhere in your house, maybe on your refrigerator, maybe on your bathroom mirror as you're getting ready in the morning. It's just something you can kind of look at and just remind yourself as you kind of begin to go into a, a new day. Maybe, you know, just somewhere in the car, make multiple copies, you know, so that maybe sometime if you're stuck in traffic, isn't that sometimes the place where we need to manifest the love of God the most is uh, oftentimes in traffic jams. So anytime you just really begin to question or you just start to feel kind of out of sync or maybe you're kind of feeling frustrated by some difficult, toxic relationships, this would just be a great thing to go back to. God, this is real love. And God, would you just fill me with that love so that I'm not loving people out of my own strength, my own ability, my own weaknesses, my own limitations, but God, I'm able to love them out of your love for me and for others. Let's pray. Father, we just again thank you for this great love that you have for us. And Lord, we can't even begin to imagine. And God, I don't even believe there are words that can convey the love that you have for us. 
And so, Father, this morning, no, no matter where we're at, that God, would you, would you just peel back another layer of your love for us? Some may be here, and you're hearing this for the first time. Some of you are here, and you've heard, you're hearing this for the thousandth time. Doesn't matter how you're hearing it, but that, God, you would just peel back the next layer of your love for us. And that as your love is just being shed abroad in our hearts right now by the Holy Spirit, who Paul says is that treasure that we contain in clay pots, as that love of God is just shed abroad in our hearts right now, as that, as that next layer is, is just revealed, that God, we would love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength out of that love that you have for us, that love that you're revealing that we would love you with all of our heart, mind, and strength. And out of that same agape love, that we would begin to love others. Just as 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a preview, gives us, again, a taste of what your love is like. That, God, we would begin to love others and to love ourselves out of that agape love. Father, I, I pray specifically for people who are in difficult, toxic relationships. It's one thing here to sit here and, and hear this today. It is another thing to walk this out. I pray for an added measure of your grace, of your strength. Give them wisdom. Give them boldness. That again, they're, they're not going to be they're, they're not going to be sidelined by other people's behaviors and attitudes. That, God, they're, they're going to overcome evil because you are good. So, Father, again, we just thank you that your word says you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. We're never in a toxic, difficult relationship alone. You are our helper, and you will help us to be victorious in any and every relationship we encounter. So, Father, just grace us with that agape love. We thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, because it's easier sometimes when you have put all your thoughts down on a piece of paper. <laughs> so apologize for not making eye contact for a second here. Um, over the last year or so, the Lord has been preparing 